This episode of Thanks a Million is brought to you by Sweaty Betty. When it comes to running, you really need a pair of leggings that you can rely on, especially if you've had a baby, but that's a whole other conversation. We're not going there today. You don't want them falling down, bunching at the ankles or going baggy at the knees. It's not a great look. Sweaty Betty's zero gravity high-waisted leggings are a total game changer. They're like a second skin, you barely even know. You have them on, which is a little disconcerting when you're on your second lap, but they're there. They were there all along. They've got a handy side pocket to keep your phone in. Also a little back zip pocket, which I use for my keys and occasionally a card or, you know, a snack. I don't need your judgment, okay? It's important to refuel on my little granny jog around the park. Also, if you're running in the heat but prefer to wear leggings... You may have milk stems like me that need protection. The ultralight Italian fabric is sweat wicking. It's quick drying and this is the one. 40 plus UV protection built in. So if you're a runner and you haven't tried the zero gravity leggings, you definitely should. And Sweaty Betty's kindly given me an exclusive 20% off code to share with you all. Use the code thanks a million to get yours online. Gorgeous blooms, stroller shops and get my hands mucky in the garden. There are a million things I'm thankful for today, but what is my guest thankful for? And then you're like, oh, you love a grazier as much as I do. Thank fuck for that. Mm. Now we can talk about buying pyjamas. Sophie Rundle, that's who I'm thinking about right now. I'm Angela Scanlon and welcome to Thanks a Million, where we explore our guests' personal gratitude lists to find out the things that have shaped their lives. Gratitude is your soul's superfood, but cheaper than goji berries and twice as good for you. In this series, we talk thanks with the good, the great and the grateful. So before we get into today's guest, our final of the series, she's an absolute corker, but I wanted to say hello and thank you for listening to all of the episodes we've had this series. It has been a ride. I have mostly been hiding with a newborn so to have messages from you all and such a lovely response to an all-female series uh, has made me feel heartened and warm in between those moments of feeling deranged and exhausted. Who has been your favourite? There are too many to choose from, in fairness. Lauren Laverne, we'd author, podcaster and journalist Elizabeth Day, radio and TV host Edith Bowman, Laura Whitmore, Yasmin Evans, Caroline O'Donoghue as well. A lot of you loving our boob chat on that one. So yeah, there's tons of them. And obviously there are four more series that preceded this one with some incredible names and stories and thank yous. So definitely go back and delve into the old archives if you're that way inclined. Now, as this is the last episode of the series, I wanted to squeeze in a little reminder here that my book, Joyrider, is out on the 12th of May. That's next week, lads. I honestly feel sick to my stomach. I may have vomited a tiny little bit there when I said the name Joyrider. If you've already pre-ordered it, I love you the most. It has to be said and your hair looks fucking beautiful today. So well done for living. Uh, if not, what are you waiting for? Seriously, it would mean the world to me if you ordered it. There's a little linky link below in the show notes and you just click through on that. I know that Eason's, if you're listening in Ireland have a little promo going on there where you get a few chockies. Uh, and there's loads of signed copies available at Waterstones and at, um, where else, Bookstation, Dewberry Books in Ireland. And then obviously there's Amazon. A little bit about it, I'm going to do this really quickly because I know all you want to do is hear today's guest. But Joyrider, it's a bit of a bumpy read, I'm not going to lie. It is honestly the most open that I've ever been about a lot of stuff and I already have a vulnerability hangover. Just thinking about it, it genuinely wakes me up at night. But I'm hoping that it also is hopeful. I mean, there's some dark shit in there, honestly. And it felt kind of liberating to be able to talk about it terrifying at the same time. But I feel like there are kind of moments that people will hopefully relate to on one level or another. And, you know, what I want, I guess, for people to, to get from it is to, yeah, to feel hope and to feel connected and to feel empowered uh, and armed with with some tools that will help you live a joyous life. Because that's what it's all about, right? I mean, don't worry, this is not toxic positivity. There's plenty of weepy little moments in there too. Joyrider. Now this is the bit. 
on the back of the book is a love letter to the ways I've changed my life and the people that have shaped me. But it's also your guide to tapping into your natural super resource of joy too. It peppers my personal experiences with helpful exercises on how to begin your joy journey. Covered in post-it notes, honestly, spit on it, lick it, highlight your favourite passages, scribble notes or keep it clean to pass it on to your best pal. Whatever you do with it, I really do hope you enjoy it. And in order to enjoy it, you have to buy it first. That's how commerce works. Link below. Enough about me. My final guest of series five of Thanks a Million is Saran Jones. Yes, the BAFTA winning actor who we all know and love for her captivating roles in Dr. Foster, Vigil, I Am Victoria and Gentleman Jack. A lot of people may remember her from her time in Corrie. She's going to talk a little bit about that too. Through the characters in all of the programmes that she's worked on, Saran manages to portray the many complexities of womanhood, whether that's in relationships, mental health or identity playing the LGBTQ plus trailblazer Anne Lister in Gentleman Jack, a series she holds very, very close to her heart. You can watch series two on BBC One Now every Sunday at 9pm or catch up on iPlayer all in one filthy bit. Vigil became the UK's most watched new drama with an initial audience of 13.4 million viewers. It's also BAFTA nominated. It's incredible. This year, Saran very deservedly won Actor of the Year at Stylist's Remarkable Women Awards 2022. She lives in London with her husband and her son, not too far from me, actually. We've only seen each other in passing, the odd beep in the car. So I was very much looking forward to sitting down for a proper old chinwag. But before we hear from Saran for the final time this series, what are you, the lovely listeners, thankful for? Kit Kat, vegan options at my local restaurant, sea air and my baby's health. Nice. Fee O'Connor says no alarm. Literally the best thing ever. Seaside air and hot coffee. Themes emerging. Vic Paley, my happy, healthy baby. Domino's pizza tastes the same everywhere. And my relationship. Karina Duran, morning run in Dartmouth Square. Well done you. Yummy oats with peanut butter and the sun coming in the window. Lovely, lovely. So what about Saran? In our chat, we talk about doing what we love, dodgy jobs, new friends, loss, shutting off completely. I mean, the proper art of rest and women's talent and grit and bite. Let's go. Saran Jones, how are you? Nice shirt. Oh, thank you. I got it on a day out the other day. I love it. Um, down the South Bank. I'd love a bit of a trip down the old South Bank. You've also been in Disney. Uh, yeah, so, so the Easter weekend has been just the craziest weekend. Um, I'm sorry I sound like Deidre Barlow, the wonderful <laughs> Anne Kirk Bride, sending you all my love up there. You do have a little touch of Deirdre about you. Oh, I've got some stories about her. Oh, oh my bet. God. Um, yeah, so yeah, I've got a cold, we think, from the plane. Okay. So we went to Disney and then we came back and then we went to the South Bank and then we saw some friends and then it's a long break, isn't it, Easter? I saw people post on Instagram, 20 days off from nursery. 20 days? <laughs> That's a colossal amount when it's not even summertime. You're like, hang on, it was February 10 seconds ago. Why am I here for three weeks with no childcare? With no childcare. Yeah. Yeah. And so my boy's six. Mm -hmm. And from the moment I open my eyes, it's, mummy, can we play spies? Mummy, can we play this? Mummy, can we play that? You're Hermione. I'm Harry Potter. You're you're just like, oh, I just need a coffee. And then I'll be whatever, I think. Back off. Back off. Ten minutes. (laughs) It's also the not knowing. And I mean, I'm in a slightly different stage with a nine-week-old and a four-year-old. But I forgot. It's the uncertainty, isn't it? It's the like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get five minutes or maybe I'll get 25 minutes of a nap, but it might be five seconds and there's another yell. And it's the uncertainty that's quite like, I find myself panting. In the stage you're in, it's best to think you're never going to get any kind of break. I think so. And then when you do... You're so grateful. It's a bonus. Oh, God. So apart from half term finally being over, what are you thankful for today, Saran? You know what? Given that at the moment, Gentleman Jackie's on, I thought I'd start with being grateful for good work. Yes. We all know that we've done some not so good work, some dodgy work, 
bit of fishy work, yeah. work that we just needed to earn money for, mm-hmm. work that we're slightly embarrassed of. So right now, in the position I'm in, and Gentleman Jack being on the TV, mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for good work, for work that fulfills me, that makes me feel like I've done something good on this earth, that I've connected with people properly, that it has made an impact. BBC are in the middle of making a documentary called The Gentleman Jack Effect. Oh, wow. Because of what it's done to the economy in Yorkshire and the travel industry, bringing people together. People have got married through meeting in in the Gentleman Jack community. Also, um, I'm Victoria is up for a BAFTA. Congratulations. Well deserved. But personally... I am Victoria was just a way that I could speak that particular part of my life. And sometimes it's hard to discuss these things, but I've got a medium of drama and a team that supported me and a way of telling a story that connected with people. So I think both of those shows, for me, I'm so fucking grateful for. And as I said, you know, when you start out life as a tap dancing tap in Belfast, Civic Arts um, Theatre doing a panto. You know, there's a gap, isn't there? Was that the beginning? Like you say, at this point, with multiple BAFTA noms and all of the like wild success that you've had in the last number of years, to actually acknowledge, because I think people dress up and they shove under the carpet this slightly embarrassing things or the reality of work as a freelancer. They're not exactly the same. There are some things that you take purely because you need the check or because it's too much to turn down at a point in time where you're not being paid for something else or whatever it might be. And it almost feels quite grubby to discuss that. It's like, And I don't know whether that's particularly as a woman, but that idea that not all work on the road to being in a point or at a point where you feel really proud and really grateful for the stuff that's coming in is dazzling or noteworthy. Some of it's pretty. I like grubby. I like grubby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, me and Lawrence were, um, so we were in Disney and we were talking about, um, oh no, we'd gone to Universal at this point, we were talking about Jaws. And I think He's told me this story, so blame my husband if any of these details are wrong. But yeah, got him. I think Michael Caine maybe did a Jaws, a later Jaws. And when he was asked why he did the not very good later Jaws 6 or whatever, he said, well, because they, they paid me millions of fucking pounds. So that's why I did it. Yeah. There are times when you go, I've got to feed my family. I've got to help my parents mm-hmm. out. I've got to do whatever. I'm going to take it. Yeah. I'm going to do this voiceover or that. Maybe I'll do something that people won't find out about. You know, it might be yeah. air in different countries. There's all that going on mm-hmm. for many different reasons. Um, or as my mate says, it's fag money, babes. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, and we all need we it. We all need it. Yeah. Um, maybe you want to treat yourself. Mm-hmm. And then there's the things that give you the, like the tap dancing tap, or like when I did this thing called Crag Rats, which I have such fond memories of, which was going into schools and dressing up as Madonna yeah. and singing, Haven't we met? I am an engineer. I can build bridges and houses and even a stratosphere with all these 16-year-olds going, Amazing. why is she singing that at us? I don't understand. And then I'd go, so you can also be an engineer when you leave school if you do a... Oh, wow. So it was like a jazzy way to get them into STEM. Right. Yes. Wow. And then I did... like that. I performed ABBA for Bin Men in Blackburn. And it was about diversity. Mm-hmm. It was about, you know, inclusion in the workplace. Yeah. And it was us singing ABBA to get these points across mm-hmm. of how to, to talk to each other and communicate within um, small yeah. communities. All of those things have made me make the decisions to get me to where I am today. So I'm grateful and thankful for everyone I've met on the way. And also, I think when you've properly done the slog, done the very unglamorous side of that industry, you really appreciate it. You're not going to take for granted any of those big, shiny jobs because you know, and it's not that far removed from being in a school. Right. And my friend said she does this thing called Thrive with her 11-year-old, I think she is. Mm. It's about flipping things. She said, you know, whenever you're feeling tired or, you know, you're feeling like, oh, I can't, I can't be asked to go to these things or remember the 16-year-old yeah. that would be like, you have what? You're getting on a plane to go where? You're going to a BAFTA nominee party to say thank you for your nominations. Yeah. I, I mentor for BAFTA as well, so I, I'm getting to give back, which I just love, because I feel like, oh, I wish I'd have had that um, guidance when I was younger. Yeah. Because I think I'm slightly older than you, but, you know, of the same kind of ilk yeah. coming up. 
there wasn't a lot of guidance when, you know, when I was coming into the industry and I, I felt very lost at times as well. So I think you learn how to guide other people through all of that experience. Yeah, and I love that idea of your friend and her daughter and that kind of flipping or reframing of things. And I remember I worked as a stylist years ago before I went into kind of TV and presenting and stuff. I was a stylist assistant and I got no money for it. So instead of thinking, okay, I'm not getting paid for this and I'm literally cleaning shit off people's shoes before bringing them back to a shop, I was like, I am getting trained for free. I haven't even had to pay for this training and it allowed me to kind of go into it with a different energy, I suppose. And then afterwards, I remember being in shopping centres, so a bit like your Madonna or your Bin Man moment. It was <laughs> like presenting the styles of, of the season, but it would be... Outside CNA. Exactly <laughs> that. And in the middle of a shopping centre and people literally walking by going, who is your one? And after that, any audience I got, if they were awake, oh, yeah. it was a positive. I was like, I don't need adulation. I don't need, actually, all I just need is humans looking. And it was a kind of really, really good way of building your kind of resilience and not being so sensitive to that audience feedback. You're like, listen, I was doing this literally <laughs> to tumbleweed. So this is good. You're looking at me. It's good. Oh, God, I mean, the, uh, the Royal Exchange in Manchester is in the round. And there's um, yeah. banquettes at the front where a lot of older ladies and gentlemen would bring their sandwiches and they would sit oh, and watch the show and fall asleep. Oh. You know, it's warm and dark and, you know, there'll be musical constant voices. And so once you've, mm-hmm. you know, once you've experienced that, like you say, you're just like, you're grateful for anyone <laughs> just listening or... Yeah, living, breathing, open-eyed. And that thing of don't look at the one bad thing... Because we tend to yeah. do that, don't we? You know, everyone will say, oh, I love this programme. I love this. I love what you've done. And then there'll be one person. Negativity bias. Yeah. And and actually, all of that helps to appreciate when people stop you in the street. Because mm-hmm. that's another thing that I've I've grown into. When I was younger, I think I'd, I wasn't keen on that. Maybe when I was in my Corrie years, and maybe because Karen MacDonald was such a wild character that people thought yeah. I was like her. And I'd, you know, be minding my P's and Q's, go, oh, thank you very much. And they'd be like really disappointed that I wasn't smashing around their face with their shoe. Yeah, okay. And now I love people engaging, talking to me, stopping me on the street. You know, if I'm with my family, it's a different thing and I have to be quick and move on. But it's sweet. I love connection. I love Mm. people. And um, that hasn't always been the case, I don't think. Well, I wonder if that's a being seen thing. You're like, oh my God, I do my work and I step away from that. And I think in, as years go on, there's maybe a kind of integration of the two. You're like, oh yeah, I feel more comfortable people acknowledging things or maybe you're proud of, you know, the work and the effect it's had. Yeah, and also you can't hide it. I think it depends on the day though, doesn't it? Sometimes you just want to be like, oh my God, please don't look at me. Yeah, and I, th- and I think you can give that vibe off, can't you? Put the hat and the glasses on and... Or if I've got my boy, he says, please don't stop and talk to anybody that you don't know. No. Like, he knows that now. Yeah. There comes a point where you you can't but help merge the two. Yeah. So there's no point in wishing that you weren't recognisable. Mm-hmm. There's no point in wishing that you had a different job because you get to a point where you are recognisable. And like I've been on telly for 20-something years I th- yeah. or more. So you've got to you've got to make friends with it, yeah, and make friends with the fact that you are known. And you know, some people who know me from Corrie stop me and say, "Oh, this," you know, tell their children, that, and their children are like fifteen, going, "Never seen her before," because I left so long ago. You're like, "Oh my god, I'm getting old, mm-hmm. old and recognisable." That's that's a, <laughs> an interesting thing because people have seen you. Yeah, they they feel like they evolve. know you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and also with Corrie, I guess that that base. It's such an intimate kind of role. You're in people's living rooms every single evening. You're part of their daily routine. It's very hard to shake that, I suppose. And I've got friends that are still in it that, you know, friends that I met when I was in it. And actually on ITV3, I think it is, they do Corrie Gold. Okay. So they're repeating my time now. Right. So someone put it on social media and I was like, oh my God. So we put it on and Lawrence had recorded some. And of course it's all my mates. Yeah. And it's glorious watching us all, babies just wandering around like, you know, the knicker factory. It's like, wow, my God. And and I have a friend that's just got in EastEnders and I... I said, what is it like? And she was like, what are you talking about? You're famous. I was like, no, but not like EastEnders famous. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that? Because, you know, when my programmes are on, I'm more recognisable. But when yeah. I'm not, 
it, you dip out of people's consciousness, I think. So it's, it's a different thing. And in a way, I'm glad I had it first. Mm-hmm. And now I've, you know, and now it kind of peters in and out. It's, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're very, very different things. So is there a thank fuck for this? So I think my thank fuck is new mates, mm. mum mates and play dates. Oh, yeah. So my, my boy's just six mm-hmm. and play dates and mum mates are like life force. So, you know, when you've got a bit of time and you're just like, OK, so I've done an, enough playing. I've done all the Lego building and the den building. And my boy doesn't watch films, won't sit down and watch the telly, wants to role play all the time, which is great. I mean, that's amazing. Well done, you. Well, no, not for trying. I <laughs> I take his hand, put him in front of the telly and give him snacks. He'll eat the snacks and say, right, now you're... And he wants me to be Bluey or be, you know, okay. whoever we're watching. Yeah. You know what? I think it's born out of when I work away a lot mm-hmm. and I come back, I am so intense on a weekend with how I want to mother because the mum girl is like, you know, let's do this, let's do, and I'm going to take you here and we're going to go for lunch there and then we're going to play yeah. a million games. So you're on. On. So he expects that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's that's down to me. But yeah, I mean, every mother with a young child will know this, that you then get to a certain point and you're scrolling through your mum list and going, anyone up for a play date? Anyone want to meet at the park? Anyone want to? Yeah. Because it's just glorious to be able to sit and chat. I did it the other day and we just took a picnic out and I was like, oh my God, I'm talking to somebody because when it's me and Lawrence, he doesn't really let us have a one-to-one chat. Yeah. He's like in there going, what are you saying? What are you doing? What are you, you know, especially at this age, yeah. which is beautiful. Questions. But when, questions, questions, everything. But when it's you and a mum, you get a coffee and you feel your whole body kind of going, oh my God, they're playing together and they're getting on, you know? Yeah. And it's glorious. And I love watching kids play together as well. So it's, mm. you know, the added bonus of watching them discover and listen to, to the chats that they have. I love it. Oh, the chat is the cutest. And also it is exactly that. You're like almost matchmaking them, aren't you? They're like, oh, they play very well together now. And you're thinking, okay, yeah, we'll have those around to the house. That's fine. And it is that kind of sense of, oh, they're in your house, but they're like occupying each other. And <laughs> and growing together and then and having and in their own little world. Mm. And I and I just love that. And our, our next door neighbour as well is a couple of years older than my boy. But yeah. I love that. I, I love the community aspect of what we need as mothers is the help and the the recognition to know exactly what you're going through. Like I did NCT when I was um, pregnant. Yeah. And I really felt for people during the pandemic that couldn't have that experience. Yeah. And I very quickly got over the fact that, you know, I was the recognisable person walking into this church room up the road. Because I was like, I don't care. I don't care what you all think of me. I'm just going to need you. Yeah. Because, you know, I haven't got a lot of mates around this particular area. Oh, it was a lifesaver. Just to have mums at exactly the same point as you. And I think that's the key because, you know, even I had family over who all have kids and they were like, I forgot how relentless the feeding was. I mean, you go through that kind of blurry period and even though you think you know it all and you relate to it all, it's it's very foreign very quickly. So to have somebody at 3am who's literally in the same position is wildly important. As well when you don't, if it's your first, like it was with me, I, I didn't know anything because mm-hmm. my parents, I didn't have that conversation. Mm-hmm. My mum had passed, you know, I was like, oh, And like you say, you call friends, but if they're out of it, they're in another stage. They're in this stage that, you know, I'm at now. Also, thank fuck for new friends Mm -hmm. at this age. Not not his age, my age. At 43, it blows my mind every time I meet someone on a job and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm going to be your friend. And it doesn't happen that often, I don't think, because you you keep your world small Mm -hmm. because it can only be manageable when you're busy and, you know, you've got children. There's a lot on, yeah. But I just, I love the feeling of meeting a new person that 
challenges me, excites me, and women as well, women that can teach me stuff at my age that I'm like, oh my God, I've become a bit in love with you. Yeah. I love that feeling. But it is exactly that. I think it's like, there's a giddiness that's very similar to that giddiness of falling in love and you're, yeah. feeling, you know, really kind of aligned with somebody or there's a shared respect, but excitement at, at meeting somebody like-minded, you know. And daft. Daft as a brother. I like, I like daft people. Yeah. In our industry, you think you have to be other than yourself sometimes. So mm-hmm. you'll go to a read through or you'll go to, you know, your first production meeting when everyone's got their, you know, shirts buttoned up and their trousers very tight and you're, you're on. Yeah. And then you get to know people and like a month later, you're like, that you, there's no correlation between who you are and the person that I first met and probably the same for me you know you're all kind of speaking very well yeah. and you know pretending your phone that you're, voice on <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah and then you're like oh you love a grazia as much as I do thank fuck for that mm-hmm. now we can talk about buying pajamas Sophie mm-hmm. Rundle that's who I'm thinking about right now or another um I met Sandy Toxvic quite recently yeah and I just soak up every inch of her mm-hmm. and we've become very good friends and Yeah, I just love it. Very thankful for it. Okay, the thank you next, Saran. So I tried to think about something that wasn't what I'm about to tell you. Mm -hmm. I was like, there must be loads of chapters in my life that I'm, you know, thankful that are over and that I've learned something from. But this this five-year chapter that I'm going to talk about... Is something that I have talked about a lot recently in the press. It's come up when I was talking about Making Gentleman Jack. Mm-hmm. And it's the loss of both my parents and the beginning of my mental health journey that led me to I Am Victoria, yeah. taking medication, now not on medication. And I, f- I thought, oh, God, I do, do I want to do this again on here? But actually, because this is a gratitude podcast, I feel like with you at this point, what I can say about it is, I've moved on mm-hmm. and I genuinely feel like I'm moving, like I've moved through it and then past it. I did an article recently and I did say to the journalist, don't concentrate too much on my father's death and the sadness of it all, because mm-hmm. I feel like I've made something very positive with Gentleman Jack and with Owen Victoria. And I feel like the next chapter of my life is about genuinely letting go of the weight yeah. of all that happened to me. and feeling freer to go, ah, now, of course, grief hits you at all different points. And a mental health journey is a mental health journey. You know, you have to take care of that like you take care of your... Physical health. Yeah. Yeah. It's all of that is so important. But I do feel like I'm I'm free of the, the weight of it. Yeah. The heaviness. Yeah. 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 And for anyone who has it, who hasn't read or who hasn't heard you talk about that... You know, in in a nutshell, and I know that's very, feels very reductive when it's something so, so monumental. But what was your experience? But you know what? I think I can put it in. That's that's the point. I can now put it into a nutshell because it's there and not here. It's not on you. Yeah. Yeah. I had my son and I lost my mum in very close time frame. Mm -hmm. And then I was doing a show in the West End called Frozen, which was a very heavy show about the loss of a child Mm -hmm. and paedophilia and forgiveness and whatever the mix of all that was it really got to me and I had a collapse on stage couldn't finish the last week of the run and then I went on to do Gentleman Jack and then I had a what I call a a, an emotional breakdown where I I couldn't go out without being very aware of everybody staring at me I couldn't drive the car because I was having panic attacks and then I went to see a doctor and I got help and I went on medication and I, I went into a, a beautiful care, an area of my life where I was very much cared for yeah. um, and did a lot of therapy. And then my father passed away during COVID and he was in an ICU for three months. And then, he sadly, then we sadly lost him and I was still working and I was away from my family. So that, in a nutshell, is it. But it's a lot. It's a lot. And It's a lot. And... And I still managed to make this beautiful show that people love. And, you know, and I look at Gentleman Jack and go, wow, we did that. Because other people all around the world were having awful times too. Yeah. 
Um, Because collectively we went through something so heavy. Yeah, which is a very unique experience to to do that all at the same time. You know, there's there's something galvanising or comforting about knowing that we all experienced, you know, to a greater or lesser extent. But yeah, a, a collective kind of experience, which I don't think we have that many of these days. No, and I was in a pool in Florida and we were talking to this new couple from New York and instantly the bond is, oh, what happened to you around that time? Yeah. And like you say, it's something that just that we'll always have mm-hmm. and there's a lot of experiences we all had during that time that you'll look back on and, you know, historically it's it will be something that is talked about forever yeah but I do feel now like there's been a shift and the work that's coming in is different and I'm making different decisions Mm -hmm. prioritizing different things prioritizing um and and I just know instinctively what's going to be good and bad for me okay whereas I just I don't think I knew that before so is that a subject matter thing or is it a timing thing is it a distance thing you know or or a combination of those all of it it's yeah how long do I want to be away what shows what type of shows do I want to get into yeah what will it take to if I'm going to go far away or will I take a job that's close yeah how much do I want to get into the research of a show who do I want to work with is a big one Mm -hmm. because I've recognized personalities that work and don't work and what I do and don't want to put up with or work with that's a huge one. Mm-hmm. And I think as a woman, yeah. it's a conversation we've been having for a long time, but I think it takes a while to sink in. Do you find that? Yeah, totally. And I also think it it only comes with confidence where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I, I think, you know, although there's been leaps and bounds, there's a difference, I think, in the way females are perceived within the workplace and you questioning or you drilling into detail is being a pain in the arse as opposed to being a professional. I think there's still a long way to go for a woman who is perceived as strong. You're like, oh, no, no, she's really into it. She's a pain in the arse. Yes. No, no, no. She's like, would be lauded as being, oh, would great attention to detail. And uh, it, yeah, it's it's galling. <laughs> and it's and I think that's why I love making the new relationships I was talking about in my thank fuck, because when you meet someone else that is of the same wants and needs and the same mindset as yourself, mm-hmm. and, you know, I know I know that we're talking about the same thing, just the way that you answered that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm so pleased to meet you and please can I have you in my locker because I know that you are experiencing what I'm experiencing. Yeah. And, and if as long as we all stand together and we all keep, mm-hmm. and it is attention to detail and it's it's about your input, it's about your creative knowledge being heard and being validated and and, be, and being seen, mm. you know. Yeah. The more that you collect these people around you, you go, yeah, I'm not a fucking arsehole. What I am is I'm a creative and I'm knowledgeable. Yeah. I can be a, a bit of a pain. Yeah. When I'm tired or, you know, or if I don't like something, well, that's a different thing. Yeah. I'll apologise for that. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about the same thing. It's exhausting. Yeah. And I think validation is the key word because sometimes it can be presented back to you and you're like, maybe I was. Was that unreasonable? Maybe I am a pain. Yeah. Maybe I am, you know, too hard or maybe whatever it might be. But actually, I think it's just passion. Yes. And it's a desire to be heard and to be respected on a level. And, you know, it's your face. And you're kind of like, what I have to say matters. And it's not coming from a place of ego. It's coming from a place of wanting to create something better. Can we think about it different way? Can we have a conversation? I'm not trying to be obstructive. I'm trying to be, you know, constructive. But it's often received as just, oh, this is fucking boring. (laughs) And the facing is such a huge thing that I don't think many people talk about. It's like... I respect that when we're making something, that everyone has a place. I don't know how to budget. I don't know how to get us all into a place where, you know, I've no idea how we're going to get the crew 
together to do that. Yeah. I don't know. Oh my God, this set looks amazing. Who the fuck did this? It's just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. I understand that it's a team. Yeah. But when you are out there then selling the product, mm-hmm. I kind of want people to get to a point where I'm like, so you know when we're making thing, can we think then about the time when we're going to be, that I'm going to be selling it? Yeah. Because if we don't think about that now, I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I do a lot of projects where I'm like, come on, I want to talk about it all and yeah. I want everyone to watch it. Because you're left with the big bag to carry like Santa, yeah. showing your wares. Mm-hmm. So you deserve a place, yeah. a real place on that initial yeah, team. In there, not just presenting it. Yes. And maybe it is a kind of change. It's maybe a position that men held and that women didn't just... But, you know, And I kind of liken it to the approach to, to kids back in the day was like, you know, speak when you're spoken to. <laughs> and there's a kind of desire for you to just nod and smile and agree and tell everyone they're fantastic. And that's obviously very important. But... Your input is valuable and your instincts deserve to be, you know, heard, I guess. Well, this is why I wanted to get into producing my own stuff yeah. and why we set up our company, mm-hmm. me and my husband, Tea Makers, and we've just got a commission for yeah. ITV doing a show called Marylands. Yes. Right. Well done. We're looking at making documentaries and things that really interest us because I just want a seat at the table. Yeah. And you know what? We just bought our own fuck off table. Good for you. <laughs> and then we put two seats there and now... Now we can just sit there whenever we like. Yeah. Obviously, we're very blessed to be in a position to do that. But, oh God, thank fuck for that. Thank fuck for that. Um, okay, Saran, is there a thanks that got away? The thanks that got away is my mum. Mm. So that doesn't mean I didn't thank her a million times for everything when she was here. Yeah. But because I lost her when I just had my boy... There are so many moments that I sound like her, I feel her, I look at my boy and how I'm parenting, how I wish that she could be running around the woods Mm. with him playing The Floor is Lava, which she would do for hours on end. I think that my thanks is the the thanks that got away of, I haven't been able to do it as an adult because there's so many times I want to say thank you for this Mm. in this moment which I obviously do, but it would have been nice to say it to her face and to for, and to her experience me as a mother because she so wanted grandchildren. Yeah. And my brother had his boys, so, so she had that experience before she died. But she so wanted it for me. And when I was clearing out my dad's attic, when he'd passed, obviously I found stuff from both of them and cards from when I was younger. And one of them said, I, I, I hope... I was only 21. I think it was my 21st birthday card. And even then she'd written, I hope you found you find what I found, a, a lovely husband mm-hmm. and children. Catholic, big Catholic family. Yeah. So I think that was so important to her, you know, mm-hmm. all about the kids, all about the husband and kids and the church going. And, and the, the photos that I see now, I look so much like her as well. The shape of my face, the, how my nose is growing, everything is like her. Yeah. That's my thanks that got away, which obviously doesn't because I still talk about her all the time. And, and do you talk to her? Do you, fi- do you kind of have that sense of her being with you? Yeah, because I'm so like her, okay. I think. Yeah. I've developed a laugh that feels like her, but it doesn't just sound like her. It feels like her. So I can feel the embodiment of her going, oh, my God, it, it's a strange thing because whatever you believe, whether that's true or not, or what, you know, she made me, I'm part of her. So it could very well be that that's exactly coming from yeah. that part of her. Yeah. I, I think when I'm, when I'm looking at my boy, that's particularly when I talk to her and we talk about Nana Jenny in the sky and, you know, she's very with it in our lives. I feel her mm. very much. Yeah. Cause it's different, isn't it? I do think when you have, a child, that kind of sense of understanding your mother in a way that you never did happens and it's kind of bittersweet and it's a lot, like there's a lot of emotions and to not be able to kind of, you know, for those two things to happen for your son to be born and your mum to die within six months, yeah. A very short space of time is, is a yeah. But it colours your whole 
view of stuff as well. So the, the new drama that we're writing is about roles in the family and seeing your parents as people mm-hmm. and understanding them. As people rather than parents. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it happens at a certain point in your life where you're like, oh, oof, I never gave you the credit for that. I didn't understand this. I do, oh my God, I'm so... And those are the things when you're just like, I want to tell you now that I understand and I, I didn't know or I didn't think that you could have those feelings because you're just mum. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Anne-Marie O'Connor, who's writing the Maryland script, we're so in tune with all of that. So we talk all the time about the roles within the family as well of like siblings, what siblings, that they, sometimes you don't see each other as people either. Yeah, It's a very bizarre thing, family, yeah. because you can be so close, but yet not know each other. 100%. Yeah. And also I think a lot of the time that sibling thing is like, oh, that person has taken attention away from me. You're like, you don't see them as exactly like you said, as a human, as a pal, you see them as someone who's taken something. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's a very specific relationship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that you would yeah. never do to yourself or to a friend. Yeah. That's that's why we all loved Succession so much, I think, because oh it was God. just like, <laughs> yeah. they're awful relationships sometimes and you would never do what you do to a parent or a sibling yeah. or speak the way or hide parts of yourself from. It's their complex, interesting relationships. Mm-hmm. I wish that my mum was here now to to see me figure the fuck out what I'm doing as a mother you know I think she'd find that very funny actually (laughs) I think when you kind of have those little moments of you know because obviously we have moments where we're not doing well the best job as mums or you certainly don't feel it but then when you have like a little win you're thinking oh she'd be proud yeah that was a good moment yeah Okay, the big thank you. So the big thank you, there's a list of people here. I had to write them down because I was like, oh God, this." I started with one and then it, it kind of... Snowballed. So listen up. Mrs. Clare, David Johnson, all the people at Theatre Workshop, Judith Barker, the Lyceum Players, Oldham Coliseum, Joan Ellenworth, Bryn Hayward, June West, Bev Keogh, Jeff Longmore, to name a few. These are the people that shaped and encouraged me as a young performer. Okay. Starting with Mrs. Clare, who um, was at primary school, who said to my mum, she has a lot of energy, doesn't she? So maybe she should go somewhere that's, that encourages that rather than her talking class. So my mum, off the back of what Mrs. Clare said, took me to Old yeah. Theatre Workshop and I learned discipline there. I learned freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. I learned that you didn't have to be academic to be brilliant. Yeah. I learned that you didn't have to, um, y- you could express yourself in all sorts of ways. Mm. You could tell your story in all sorts of ways. I learned how to make mistakes. I learned how to communicate and, and make friends and be sociable and fuck up and, and be loud and yeah. all of those things. And I think that putting your child in a drama class or some kind of performing class isn't about are they going to be a star Mm -mm. it really helps with social skills and I will be forever grateful for that you know there are times where I don't like going to social occasions now at 43 but I think that I know how to from you know all those people yeah and then going to do a performing arts a (laughs) b-tech b-tech in performing arts at Oldham College and people putting me in parts that I wouldn't I'd never get in the outside world, but, you know, pushing my creative boundaries, letting me know I could do things. The Royal Exchange being another place that did that. Yeah. Sarah Frankham. And then my agent, my agents from Sharon Ashcroft in Halifax and then Christina Shepherd, who I have now, they're all people that supported and cared and saw something that I loved mm-hmm. and wanted to do. Because it's hard work. It isn't just talent. And I think that some people think, well, I'm never going to do that because I'm not talented enough. Jesus Christ, there are some things that I've done that I'm like, well, that girl doesn't know how to do that. But in a couple of years, she did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's about all those people caring Mm -hmm. and showing and helping and guiding. And holding your hand and going, you might not know right now, but you'll figure it out. We believe in you. 
Yeah. yeah. And that idea, you mentioned the kind of, you know, making mistakes or fucking up. Have you always had a kind of, because it feels like you have quite a healthy attitude towards that and to allowing yourself to kind of learn on the job. A lot of people don't allow that. They have, you know, expect themselves to arrive fully formed. Where did that come from? I think it's a combination of both the things. So if you do your homework, so I'm talking specifically about acting roles now, yeah. but if you do your homework and, you know, you learn your lines and you you do the research that you can and you do all of that, then go to set and then allow yourself to fuck up and try things. If yeah. you don't have the foundation, it doesn't work. It does for some people, but I think they're the very lucky ones and, it, and yeah, okay. I wouldn't trust that it would work for me that way. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite a swat when it comes to putting the work in and then having fun. So that allows you the freedom. Yeah. yeah. And getting it wrong. I love, because I teach kids as well and I, and I love to instill that in them. It's like, just do something. Even if we all laugh and go, what was that? It'll make us laugh. It'll be... Try it. Yeah. Try it small. Try it in a different accent, you know, just play with it. Yeah. So I'm getting better at that. Mm. And I've still got a long way to go, I think. But I watch, you know, my peers and I'm just sometimes blown away. Oh, my God. Have you seen Sarah Lancashire do Julia? I have been obsessed with it. I've been watching it the last few (sighs) nights. She's absolutely brilliant. Because the thing is, that role, you know, Meryl Streep won an Oscar for it, didn't she? Yeah. So I kind of think whoever takes this on is balls of steel and it's probably going to, you know, pale in comparison. She fucking, uh, like, I have not thought about Meryl Streep once, which (laughs) I think is the greatest compliment. I'm like, she's her. She's incredible. And I love lapping up people's talent. I'm just like, oh my God, I want more of this. You're brilliant. She's brilliant. She's She's brilliant in everything she does. But I just, that being something that, you know, we're talking about, kind of just go for it. Yeah. Jodie in um, Killing Eve. When that first came on, I was just like, you are it. You, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with your talent. I'm in love with what you're doing. And it's not just the big, you know, the big outlandish roles. It can be, you know, subtler things or strange, odd comedy or... Or the daftness or, you know, the the other stuff I was talking about. But it is that thing of when you see someone doing it, you're just like, you're having fun. I know you're having fun. Yeah. And I'm just loving that. There's a playfulness. Yeah. And the power of play and permission to allow yourself to play. Not we're adults now, everything needs to be serious. Actually, when there's kind of joy, it's impossible not to feel that through the screen. Yeah. And so we should take that and run with it and think, right, well, even if you're... You know, if you've been cast as a, a four-letter word that we're not allowed to say beginning with C, yeah. then enjoy that, you enjoy, know? Like go for lean in lean all the way. into it, yeah. <laughs> because going back to what is it going to take to leave my family in and do these 11-hour days? Yeah. Well, I've got to be enjoying something. So mm-hmm. everyone on that list that got me to a place where, you know, I'm looking at Jeff Longmore now, who I used to do panto with. I love panto. Mm. Bloody love panto. It's the it's kids' first experience of theatre and they suck it up. Mm. So playing, you know, Prinny Boy or Baddie is an example of this as well. Everyone's enjoying themselves. Yeah. And so I just, yeah, I love that. And I do think panto, I mean, I we took my daughter to Frozen, oh, different Frozen great. to your one. Yes. Um, oh, and she had seen the movie, whatever, but she was like absolutely mesmerised. And she looked at me and she was like, is this real life? She's, and you know, it's those kind of little teeny moments where she'll go, oh, that's a thing. Yeah. That's actually a thing that I could do. It's the introduction. It's where that love starts or that kind of curiosity into that world. Um, and that's such a gift to be able to give to, to kids, you know. Have you taken her to Matilda? no. She's four. Would she be good for Matilda? Oh, no. So maybe next year, I think. Yeah, maybe okay, okay. Love it. Yeah. I took my boy at the beginning, uh, oh, no, only a couple of weeks ago, actually. Okay. He was just like, oh, same thing. Like, because it's kids on stage as well. It's it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, just, and, and again, we're going back to connection, aren't we, of mm. like live stuff and connecting people. Yeah. Definitely put that on your list for next year for her. Yeah, okay, Matilda. And for myself too. Uh, oh, God, um, yeah. <laughs> Mostly. Okay, finally, the present that you are most grateful for. I was actually listening to your and Edith's 
pants, mm-hmm. one, and I'm afraid I'm going down the Edith route. So I've put everything on because I'm prepared. <gasps> so I have a dinosaur oh, necklace you- here. Yeah, love it. Love hearts here. Elephants in the ears. Yeah. This is the latest from the Tate love. the other day, which is a little glass ring. That's beautiful. This one is a glass from the beach that's oh. been made into a ring. Um, and what, did you collect this stone? He got it from, so these are all from my son. Oh, stop it. So this one the other day, he, oh, those eyes with the eyelashes from heaven, heaven sent eyelashes, just looked at me and said, Mummy, I want to buy you something. And I found this, <laughs> picked up this £3.50 ring. And I was like, oh and Lawrence went, oh God, oh God, get her a tissue in the middle of this shop. So I was just like, oh, it's the nicest thing that anyone's ever said and done for me. Give me the ring. <laughs> Oh, sweet. Oh. And this spider necklace from my son, which he drew when he was three. My husband had it made into a necklace. I love that. But you can pop it over a jumper. And so that I'm adorned with gifts from my little boy. I love that. And I also think with jewellery, for me, there's a kind of sense that I remember reading somewhere all of the other things that we wear. You know, obviously there are choices in expression, but it would be a bit odd if you came on without your shirt, for example, for this podcast. <laughs> it would it would go to different avenues, wouldn't it? It would go exactly. to be I mean, shown in a lot more different places. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, you know, you, you choose a certain type of shirt, but you kind of need to wear a shirt. Yeah. You don't need to wear jewellery it's Mm. purely Mm. love or connection or memory or like yeah and and there's something really special about that you choose it purely for expression rather than you know practicality yeah there's something lovely about that and you know uh, there's another one underneath the glass ring is um so this was my mum's engagement ring that was actually cut off her in hospital so my, my husband had it made bigger for my Big old fat sausage fingers. Your paw. Um, yeah, so, so that's a beautiful thing. And sometimes, you know, when you're being styled for events and they're like, take that off, take that off, and you're like, oh, but that's part of, like, who knows? I could end up wearing this to the BAFTAs because if I decide on that day that I need that yep. near me, my £3.50 glass ring, it may well go with me, you know. Yeah. You're so right. Uh, yeah, and I love collecting mm-hmm. bits and and I'm now I've got them all on today. I'm going to go happily walk around feeling jingly jangly with the love of my boy. That is so sweet. That is so sweet. Also, really good three-year-old drawing. Right? I think that's why yeah. you've only got that one, because yeah. the other ones were like, you know, swirly poos and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> don't want a swirly poo around my neck. No, you don't. <laughs> that you will. Thank you so much, Saran, for chatting to me. I know you're a busy woman. Uh, congrats on your new production company. Can't wait to see what comes out of that and all, all of the stuff. I get all embarrassed. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so, so much to Saran Jones, who you can currently catch every Sunday at nine o'clock on Gentleman Jack. If you haven't watched it, honestly, it is sensational. That is it, folks. Series five has wrapped. Thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in, who has saved an episode, who has shared an episode with a friend. Please do go back and listen to any episodes that you might have missed. A stellar all-female lineup this time round. Maybe we'll do it again next series. And do not forget to rate us and subscribe on whatever platform you use. A review on Apple is always very much appreciated. And really, you don't have to write very much at all. Five stars. Obvs. And a little ramble would be so, so appreciated. So until the next time, I really hope you buy and enjoy my book. Do get in touch with me. You can find me on Instagram at Angela Scanlon. Let me know what you think. Vomit your deepest, darkest secrets into my direct messages and I shall endeavour to respond to you. Also, you can sign up to my newsletter between now and next series where I pop into your inbox every Sunday with lots of different bits and pieces. A lot of wellness stuff in there, guys. I think you'd like it a lot. So you can either Google Angela Scanlon Newsletter or there's a link on my Instagram. That is it for now. Thanks a Million is produced by Louise Mason at Rethink Audio. Thank you, Louise. The editing of this particular episode was done by Thomas Griffin. Thank you so, so much for listening. Each and every one of you, I love you all. Oh.